The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. The three readings we heard today are the types of readings that we hear during Lent. And they're all about, well, I won't say doom and gloom, but they're all about repent. The time of fulfillment is at hand. Uh, we have that wonderful first reading from the book of Jonah. And you remember the story of Jonah. It doesn't go into it here. But Jonah was a Jew called by God to go to Nineveh and tell the people to repent. And what was Jonah's response? What are you talking about? They're pagans. Let them die. But God said, no, I want you to tell them to repent. And then Jonah got mad because the people repented. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted God to destroy them. But God didn't destroy them because they repented. So this is kind of a slap in the face of the Jews who think we know it all and the pagans should be slaughtered. But God loves everyone, gives everyone an opportunity to turn away from sin and turn back to God. This, this is this wonderful God that we have. You know, it may not make sense to us because we see so much evil in the world, and yet God is for us, for every single person. And if we're going to be real Christians, then we've got to be for everybody, too. We can't exclude anyone uh, from our efforts to bring them to the Lord. And then Paul talks about, you know, time's running out. You know, I keep thinking, that was 2,000 years ago. Hasn't it run out yet? You know, when I think of the evil in the world, for example, just one statistic, and this is a conservative statistic. Uh, every year, worldwide, there are about 50 million abortions. 50 million. So in the last uh, 40 years, a billion. A billion human beings killed. Now, I think, God, if that's not enough information for you to come and bring an end to our sorry history, what is? But, again, God doesn't think the way we think. God is there for our salvation. He wants to be patient with all of us so that we can all repent and turn back to the Lord. And that's what Jesus says when he's gathering his disciples. His first words are those of John the Baptist, Repent, turn back to the gospel. So Jesus came specifically to say to all of us, repent, repent. 
And as Catholics, we have this wonderful sacrament of penance where we can go in this little room, confess our sins, and come out like newborn babies in terms of having sin in our being. What an amazing gift. But this is God's thinking. It's not our thinking. And God doesn't, I won't say he doesn't care about our comfort or convenience, but clearly he didn't care in one sense for Jonah, you know, his complaints. He said, no, Jonah, you do it. He had a big fish swallow him up and regurgitate him on the shore because Jonah wanted out. And God said, no, I'm not letting you out on it. Now, God does that with us too, I suppose, maybe not so dramatically, but he doesn't let go of us. And then think about the apostles as they were called. And what did they do? They dropped everything. They left their trade. It says James and John left their father Zebedee in the boat. I mean, that poor guy, what must he have thought? You know, my sons go, I got the hired hands, but my sons, my future, my life, they're going. And you say, God, why did you, do, why did you get two guys whose parents are dead? But he didn't. And so if we want to be followers of Christ, as were the apostles and people throughout history, we have to see that it is a radical call from God, a radical God, a call from God to put away our own mindset of what we think should be done and what's comfortable. Stop trying to tell God what he should do. We all do that, right? Don't we say, you know, God, why don't you do, why don't you do, you know, and God doesn't. Well, God's thinking differently. But it's a radical call, and, and we refer to that as call and response. God calls, how do we respond? And that's every day. And it's a radical call and a radical response. And if we're not living radically Christian lives, then we need to work on that. We need to be not rooted in the American way of life or any national way of life or what we consider comfortable or convenient or what I have earned, therefore I deserve it, so forth and so on. That has absolutely nothing to do with the plan of God. The plan of God is to bring everybody together. That's always been God's plan. Of course, Adam and Eve screwed it up by, by sinning. So the whole story of salvation is about God calling us to repentance and then coming himself to destroy the power of sin and death so that we today in this room have absolutely no excuses for sinning. The devil doesn't make us sin. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame other people. When we sin, it's because we have chosen to sin. But the good news is, God gives us the graces and the blessings so that we can avoid it and, and slowly build up an ability to avoid sin no matter what it is. And then even radicalize our lives by being like John and James or Peter and Andrew who you know, said to their families, goodbye, we're going fishing in another way with this guy that we really like. Now can you imagine yourself doing that? getting in the car with maybe some clothes and then driving 500 miles to this encampment and where everybody's working together to build up the kingdom of God, but we don't have the control that we think we need or should have because of the lives we lived. Again, it, the, the gospel is very radical 
and you've probably heard it again and again that the churches today tend to domesticate religion, make it, you know, it's kind of like um, animals were never meant to be pets, right? They were never meant to, be, meant to be pets. They were meant to be working animals. But we have pets now. We take these wild animals and we domesticate them so there's these lovely furry little things that lick us and make us feel good. Well, that's not the way it was supposed to be. But we do that with our faith, too. We make it so that we can kind of rub its tummy, our faith, or pet it. Oh, isn't that nice? And we know the dog's never going to bite us because they don't bite the hand that feeds them. And we do that with our faith as well. We domesticate it. We make it very nice. And I hear this many times. I'm sure you've heard it uh, as well. Well, I don't want to be like the Mormons, you know, going door to door. Or I don't want to be like the Jehovah's Witnesses, as if they're doing something bad. No, they're living their faith. They believe that they need to contact people to let them know what the truth is. Now, we may not agree with it, but what the heck are we doing? We're sitting by judging other people when they're living, compared to our lifestyle, a radical lifestyle. So here we are in a comfortable church. You know, we just had it renovated. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Well, what good is it if we don't actually live the reality of what we celebrate in this community every Sunday. And what do we celebrate? What do we honor? We honor God, who didn't just let us go off on our sins, but came to us as a human being. He did not have to do that. He gathered ordinary people to follow him, and eventually he suffered a horrible death, and he didn't have to do that either. He became literally as the scriptures tell us, a slave. God! See, this is why Jews and Muslims think Christians are crazy. They cannot imagine a powerful, almighty God stooping to sully himself by becoming a human being. But that's exactly what we believe. There's radicality right there, right? How much more radical can God be? So if we, if we, we give allegiance to this wonderful God, then we have to live the life of this wonderful God who came to bring salvation to all people. And he didn't stop at anything. And, you know, we sort of say, well, he was God. Well, he was human being, too. He didn't have to go through this. And it wasn't a joy for him to go through this. And yet, he, because of his love for God, he was not only willing to do it, but thank the Father for this call to service. So again, are we living truly radical lives? In fact, I wonder how many of you, uh-oh, Buffalo Bills fan here, uh-oh, I hope you're not thinking about the game tomorrow while I'm preaching. Ah, another one. Oh my God, see, we're infiltrated with the world. But you know, when I saw the picture of the stadium last week and so few people in it, I thought, even the few people that went are crazy. <laughs> Would they show up for Jesus in a cold stadium? I don't think so. But that's the, the radicality of our faith, really. And there's absolutely no reason we can't show the world, and we should be showing the world, that our faith is front and center. And it doesn't matter who wins what, but rather 
to remember what God has done and what he calls us to do. So when you ever see that list of the 12 apostles, we should be thinking, yeah, and I'm number 13, because I was called too. We're all part of the, the call of God. Literally, he calls us each by name. And we're all gifted in particular ways so that we can use those gifts to talk about Jesus because there's so much hurt in the world, so much woundedness, so much darkness. And here we are, we who know the answer to everything in terms of human longing. We do know it. We do know it. And what are we doing with it? And, and so as opposed to thinking, well, I've got to go shopping tomorrow, I'm going to make this for dinner. How does all that fit into my faith? And it can fit into our faith. Maybe we, we stretch our understanding of who we are to be more hospitable. To call in a neighbor who's alone or whatever and say, hey, come over for dinner. You know, little things that help us to recognize I have to be ready and willing to greet people and to provide them with love. With love. So, again, sky's the limit. We are called to be radical in our faith. And... <clears throat> It's about bringing the light of Christ to the world. So, as always, we're called to ask ourselves, what, how am I living my life? Am I too comfortable? Am I interested more in convenience than kind of pushing myself to do something that doesn't seem comfortable? Am I practicing going out to people so that I can get good at it, so I can get better at it? What one thing do I want to do this week that kind of goes against the grain, but somehow I know God has been nudging me on it so that I actually do it. And we're promised that as we do those things, God will bless us abundantly again and again. But again, you look at the world, it's, it's dark, there's evil out there, there are people who are longing to know about the Lord, and we know about the Lord and as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord, then it's more and more important that we get out into the world and proclaim Christ as Lord and Savior. <clears throat> so again, uh, cold as it might be, uh, we have the warmth of God's love, and we, we can't lose that. And no matter what happens to us in the world, God is still there with us, and he's saying, I'm with you, I'm walking with you. Lean on me, no matter what happens, just in trying it, we are doing what God calls us to do. So again, as we go forth tonight, think about where we are in living the radical gospel of Jesus Christ, because it truly is earth-shaking and radical. And if we look at, again, Peter and Andrew, James and John, would we just pick up and leave our families if someone called us like that? And yet the challenge of that is there for all of us in our own way to respond. Yes, Lord, it's about you. Your servant is listening, and I will follow you. So the more we ask those questions and the more we work on being radical, uh, we will see things happening, and not just in other people, but in ourselves. Because God always gives us more when we use what little we do have to praise him and worship him and bring the good news to others. So we got a lot of power. Not a question of power or success. It's simply a question of being faithful to God, being faithful to the radical gospel that he has given us, and in, in a word, really, is all about Jesus.